The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> it's Oscar <For>? Sunday <laughs> for an award-winning radio show. Yes, That's what's for. Go. Good morning, food lovers, and welcome to hours of delicious conversation and fabulous food start here and now. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, along with Lana. Good morning to you, Lana. Oh, and good morning. Would you like to thank the Academy? Exciting day, too. It is. When it's, I win my Oscar tonight. I was going to say, it's the biggest <laughs> night for Hollywood. And your Oscar is on the way. Maybe not an Oscar, but uh, a nod for best dish. We have everything you need to host the ultimate Oscar party. And hooray for Hollywood. If you're hosting or an attending uh, an Academy Awards party, we have menus inspired by the year's Best Picture nominees, so stay tuned. This hour and next is a celebration of celebrities and limos and fabulous food. And we have a very full plate this morning, a delicious show planned. So let me tell you what is on the agenda. Coming up at 9.30, Wolfgang Puck is going to share his Academy Awards menu for tonight's Governor's Ball and give you some fun food facts. Like, did you know that... 1,450 pounds of Maine lobster was ordered and will be used for tonight's big celebration. And it's uh, a new energy for the governor's ball tonight, interestingly enough. They're embracing sort of social media and the feeling that we all like to mill around at a party. And so there are more than 50 dishes, one-bite orders, and small plate entrees that are being passed and set out on buffets this evening at the governor's ball. There is no plated entree this year. And for the the 84th Annual Academy Awards. That is a big deal when it comes to the world of food. It's a, it's a really a new energy for the Governor's Ball, and we're excited to hear what Wolfgang has to say about it. Oh, it's going to be a fabulous interview. I agree. He's always He's wonderful. Always Back to when I was 16 years old and working at Eureka. I have a long history with Wolfgang. He's a, an incredible talent. The Ranch's executive chef, Michael Rossi, a great culinary talent as well, is sharing his culinary perspective coming up this hour. And Stay tuned because you won't want to miss hearing his pizza tips from the world's best pizza master, Tony Gemiani. If you've dined at Tony's Pizza Napolitana in San Francisco, that means that you waited two hours in line and it was worth it. So stay tuned. He's got some great tips for your pizza stone and how to get the best crust out of your oven. But coming up first this hour, we are delighted to share a guest with you who approaches food from a fresh perspective. At 23 years old, her perspective is shared far and wide across the country, showcasing her passion for pavlova and roasted butternut squash and caramelized onion lasagna and all things delicious. You know her show Food for Thought and her website and blog spot, The Kitschy Kitchen. She is Claire Thomas and she joins us live. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> We're doing great. Glad to have you on the radio. Thank 
you. God so, take care. Well, thank you. So it is Oscar night and the festivities have begun. And uh, you very much come from a home cook perspective, as I do, and Lana as well. So what are your best ideas for throwing an Oscar bash? Well, Oscars are a big deal at my house. And every year, all the girls in the family come over and we make lots of snacks. We have an Oscar pool and it's a very fun social event for me. So snacks are a big part of that and usually that's something that my mom and I take over so for me it's really important that I don't end up with crumbs all over my shirt while I'm sitting on the couch it's important that um, I don't get messy sticky fingers when I'm trying to write on our Oscar ballots Um, it's important that it's something that's really delicious and sort of reminds me of being at the movies so for me that means lots of really easy grabbable snacks that are both savory and sweet because you have to have savory and sweet at the movies okay we agree and oscars are big at lana's in my house as well and lana's hosting the bash tonight you have a popcorn idea that is right up our alley because we are popcorn aficionados everything from uh, adding chopped rosemary and uh, lemon dust to popcorn i've been known to do it's a great topping for soup by the way to creating our own kettle corn because nothing tastes better than hot sweet salty popcorn out of the pot don't you think Oh, absolutely. I mean, I grew up eating fresh popcorn because we had one of those air pop machines. Yes. Probably the best Christmas present our family ever got. (laughs) It's true. Every movie. So, yes, I love popcorn, and it's a must-have for an Oscar party. So my idea came because I sort of recently have had a love affair with brown butter popcorn. I mean, Mm. it's just my favorite, favorite thing. Brown butter is basically all you'd have to do is wait. And that's what I love. I love something that is completely transformed by one non-step. You just uh, melt your unsalted butter for a little bit longer. And what you basically are letting happen are the milk solids are turning a beautiful golden brown. So you get this amazing nutty flavor. And And a beautiful aroma, by the way. The kitchen smells amazing. Yes. gorgeous on top of popcorn and with Mm. a little bit of sea salt Mm. oh my goodness Mm. okay (laughs) we're coming to your house you know in the french style we call that bernoisette and Mm. there's that aroma of hazelnuts like the best toasted nuts you ever had that come from the pan and you can do it in a shallow saute pan if you just want to pour the brown butter like you do over the popcorn or you can start just about any recipe like a butternut squash soup which is on your blog which looks Mm. delicious by the way you can start with brown butter i forecast last year, Claire, in 2011, that brown butter was going to be one of the food trends. And it was, but it's continued. And it's not losing steam either. We're starting to see brown butter in everything from the savory styles, but to the sweet as well. And that lends me to uh, ask you about your brown butter bread pudding, baby. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, That was a lot of fun. I made that a few weeks ago for all of my girlfriends for Valentine's Day, and it actually was my first bread pudding. I had never made bread pudding before, and I love the flavor of brown butter with chocolate because chocolate and nuts is sort of a natural combination, and the brown butter just really brings, like you said, that hazelnut quality, and it just adds a little bit of a depth and sort of a smooth edge to the chocolate that just Mm. is really lovely and I mean I thought bread and butter why not so I just really was happy with how that came out it does it works together very well what kind of bread did you use 
I actually used a um, French baguette. I used a sourdough baguette. And nice. I usually would think, like, oh, maybe a brioche or something with a little more fat or it's a little bit sweeter. But I really loved using the sourdough baguette because it had it stayed like bread, and I really liked that. I love mm. a bread pudding with a little bit of crunch on top. It, mm. That's my favorite. So um, the baguette really pulled that off for me. And there's something about a sour note with chocolate, too, that I think – is really lovely. Oh, and that's mm. nice. Because I, I love dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. And yes. so I love that kind of bitter, mm. slightly tart flavor of like a really great sort of artisanal chocolate bar. And that's what I was hoping to have come through. And the baguette was awesome with yeah, it. It lends mm. itself to that bitter flavor. And I like the toothsome idea of mm-hmm. choosing a bread if you like texture mm-hmm. that has some substance. A, a bit chewier than mine. Uh, Claire, I like to use croissants. Mm. Oh. Are, and I put Claire. almond paste and chocolate chips and it's all soft and and sugary and yeah claire you should steal that idea if you're gonna if you're gonna (laughs) pursue bread pudding (laughs) lana's croissant bread pudding from from day old croissants is really incredible and you can make bread pudding with just about anything just like we do Mm -hmm. milkshakes uh, you can, coming up, by the way, apple pie milkshakes, three words, yes, for the Oscars. But you can make chocolate cake milkshakes or pecan pie milkshakes. And the same applies to bread pudding. If you have a mix of bread left over, if you have challah from the Friday night Shabbat, you know, the mm-hmm. Jewish egg bread that we love, there's nothing better than a sandwich on challah. Or if you have some sourdough left, if you have a few pieces of French bread from the garlic bread you made last night, if you have croissants, you can make bread pudding from anything, the basic custard and then the soaking of the bread and that crisp crust on the top, Claire, I agree. The textural balance, that's the best part. Oh, yeah. And I love a savory, a savory bread pudding as well. That can be a really unique side dish that people are not expecting. Mm. Especially at Thanksgiving. Yes, oh, yeah. at the we holidays. Did a, yes, a uh, mushroom bread pudding as one of the vegetables. Mm. That it's was a great, quite terrific. It's a great side dish that's really hearty for vegetarians as well, mm-hmm. which I like. I have to go back to popcorn, Claire, because <laughs> you, of course. you and I caught up prior, and we know that you go to the farmer's market every week as we do, and we shop the produce area at Bristol Farms very often. And you have a popcorn idea from the dried corn that you can still get on the husk that we see during the holiday season but is still available in some places? Yes. Okay, wait. I don't want you to give it away yet. We have to take a quick break. (laughs) But when we come back, Claire Thomas's popcorn on the husk. This is the coolest thing. Just wait. You're going to want to hear about it. We are loading your plate with ideas and recipes and tips that are easy to make and hard not to love. It is Oscar Sunday. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana, along with Food for Thoughts, Claire Thomas, back after this. We're sharing Oscar-worthy dishes on this Academy Awards Sunday. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio along with Lana. By the way, you can find inspiration for an Oscar menu along with photos from my Oscars 2012 segments on KTLA Channel 5. Thank you, Allie McKay. I loved being with you Thursday morning live from Bristol Farms in Manhattan Beach. And Lana's entire photo profile can be found on our gallery 
at chefjamie.com. It's C-H-E-F-J-A-M-I-E.com. You'll find recipe inspiration, new videos posted there, and the actual cocktail being served at the Oscar party tonight so that you can recreate it at home. If you'd like to call in, weigh in, or ask a question of Food for Thoughts Claire Thomas, the number toll-free, 888-KFWB-980-888-539-2980. Okay, Claire... Give us the Oscar-licious idea you have for popcorn on the cob. I love this. Well, with me, every, every fall, every winter, I always see those um, dried corn on the cobs, and they're beautiful in a display, but I kind of always wondered what the utility of that was. <laughs> they look very ornamental, it's true. Exactly. I just, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it's for a table setting or something. Exactly. Then, um, I, went to the, I was at the farmer's market, and I have to say most of my inspiration comes from just what the farmers are doing because it's their produce and they honestly know what to do with it best. So I was walking around and I saw these um, giant sort of, you know, the dried uh, corn cobs and underneath it was a sign handwritten on some cardboard saying microwave it for popcorn. And I had, it was just a great light bulb moment where, oh my goodness, why not? Um, How fun (laughs) is that? And so I just, you know, I bought a bunch, brought them home and I experimented. So I tried them at different settings. I tried them for different amounts of time. And what I loved about it was it worked for stuff. I wasn't sure if it's it was. It's a good start. Then, exactly. It's a good start. And then secondly, I loved that um, some of the cobs would really work very well. And then every now and then there'd be one that was a little bit of a dud. But what was kind of fun about it was there was something really beautiful and interesting about the par-popped cobs. Because it just looks so cool. And I thought, oh, my goodness, it would be so beautiful to put, like, on with a giant bowl and then using the, like, par-popped ones as sort of the decoration. Because then people really know that it came straight from the cob. It looks really interesting. And it tasted really fresh. I really love the flavor. I think that's a really unique idea for popcorn. And if you want to stand out at your Oscar bash tonight, or if you're going to someone's house, I always like to say to bring an edible gift. Mm-hmm. You are a culinary hero. And what an incredible thing to do, to walk in with ornamental dried corn on the cob, borrow the microwave. I know that in your notes you said that your microwave worked at a minute and 20 seconds, right? Exactly. Yeah. So be conscious that all microwaves work differently, and there's nothing worse than the aroma of burnt popcorn. So oh, yeah. be careful, right? But <laughs> this is really, I love this fabulous idea. Lana, can we add that to your menu tonight? You've got it. Okay, can't wait. All right. Excuse me, Claire. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. I I don't mean to challenge you, but I'm not sure that my mom's killer brownies can trump (laughs) your mom's killer brownies. So you want to tell us about them? Oh, yes. Um, My mom's uh, killer brownies are one of my favorite things. I grew up eating them, and what I liked about them is they did not look like any brownie on the block. They look like something from the lunar landscape, to be completely honest, which you probably would be mad at me for saying, but it's a little true. Um, And the reason why is because it has a lot of really interesting ingredients in it. Um, It has, you know, toasted walnuts. You get that really beautiful nutty crunch. But the interesting one is she puts mini marshmallows in it. And mm. for me, I'm, just, I'm not super into like necessarily adding a lot of marshmallow because I can find them a little bit sweet sometimes if they're not balanced. But what's interesting is that in this brownie recipe, the marshmallow completely evaporates. So what you end up getting is this top that's completely crunchy and it's sort of aerated. So you get all of this like crispiness and it's like every brownie is an edge brownie. 
and it just is this really unique texture. And then, you know, if you, you, if you want to embrace the texture, you don't have to put any powdered sugar on top. But my mom kind of would, you know, try to make them as pretty as possible. So a little bit of powdered sugar or um, a little bit of dark cocoa just sprinkled on top with a sifter looks mm. absolutely beautiful. And it's a really unique brownie. It has that true chocolate flavor, really lovely, a little bit of walnut, and then the, cr- the crunchy top crust. Oh, my goodness. Mm, I I love the crunch of the marshmallow in there. Okay, I will succumb to trying the recipe, but I will not back off from the possibility that my mom's brownies will kick your mom's brownies butt. So just for the record, Claire, you know, Lana, who is my mom, and everyone knows we're a mother-daughter team, makes something called a garbage cookie, and there are marshmallows in that as well, Lana. And it does, when it when it's warm, it has that wonderful, it's not too succulently sweet, but it has a textural component that I love. But when the cookie's cool, then it gets all crunchy, almost like hard taffy. Just in that spot yes. on the cookie. Oh, it's so delicious. But the brownies are, you're saying she puts the marshmallows on top, Claire? It actually gets um, folded in to the entire recipe. And that's what I found interesting is that you don't really end up with marshmallows. And I think it has to do with the fact that the batter is a little bit on the thinner side. So Mm. there's a lot of room for air to roam around, especially hot air in the oven. Um, And this is a bit of a, it's a little bit of a mystery to me, to be completely honest. Ooh, mysterious brownies. I love how Claire mentions that you should cut them into tiny squares Mm. and be prepared for an afternoon tea or an afternoon alone on the couch. (laughs) That's a great idea. You are my kind of girl. Yes, exactly. Loving that. I tend to be eating either over my sink or on my couch while I'm vlogging. Mm-hmm. So. Right, and <laughs> if you're standing up, there are no calories. Claire, we have a couple of minutes left. We mm-hmm. do very much enjoy watching your show on Saturday mornings, and we have some recipes that Claire shared exclusively with us that you can email us for. We'll send them to you, including her rosemary lemon squares that look luscious. You write to live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com. Uh, yesterday you did, on your show, uh, all the recipes that satisfy a sweet tooth and I loved looking through them you can find Claire at foodforthoughttvshow.com that's it right Claire? Food yes. for Thought TV show and we became Facebook friends well I liked your page so will you like oh, mine now? Absolutely Thank you okay and with that said with about a minute or so left here I love that you're so well rounded in the world of food um, and you pride yourself on food photography so yes. for those that are listening because we have die hard very loyal foodie fans for almost 12 years now here on the radio give us a couple of tips if you would to food photography to make our dishes really come alive Absolutely. First one, please do not use a flash. It just will make um, Mm -hmm. all of the hot spots, all of the grease really pop up, and it just doesn't look that good. Always embrace natural light if you get the chance. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, I like to go really low on my angles so that the food just kind of comes to me in the camera. I don't usually do anything from, like, if I'm standing at a table, I'm not standing and looking down at it. I'll usually be in my seat totally slunched back trying to get a photo from a really low angle. That can look amazing. Nice. Um, And then when you're using natural light, just try to make sure that you get a little bit of a backlight or a little bit of a kick. That basically means that the light is behind you or to the side of you. And what that does is it reveals all of the wonderful texture of the food without it looking like it's overlit. And Mm -hmm. so that's what all of my food photography is a little bit guerrilla style. Um, If I go into a restaurant, I'm not bringing a light kit. I'm just using what's available there. So that is how I have sort of cultivated my ability to do food photography. Mm, The best way to do it. 
Yeah, and you've done it beautifully. The roasted butternut squash with sautéed spinach and caramelized onion lasagna looks delectable. And you too can grab Claire's recipes. And also, you can see her glorious food photography on her blog spot. It's The Kitchy Kitchen, T-H-E-K-I. C uh, K-I-T-C-H-Y kitchen.blogspot.com you'll find her on Facebook under Claire Thomas and you can watch her on Saturdays on her show Food for Thought Claire it was a pleasure thank you for sharing your passion thank you so much this was so much fun uh, we had a good time too thank you and I hope your Oscar bash is a delicious success we're sure that it will be oh thank you I hope yours is too well thank you as the delicious conversation continues we have a taste for life stay tuned the ranch's chef Michael Rossi the Anaheim restaurant runaway hit when we come back with his culinary perspective chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana serving up seconds at chefjamie.com you're listening to KFWB News Talk 980 Teaching you all the right moves from my kitchen to yours. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. This is what we're cooking now. There is a new restaurant in town and the chef at the helm of the ranch is making incredible waves in the food world. Welcome to the ranch, a 20,000 square foot restaurant, wine cellar and saloon that features live country music and a chef that believes that his food is just good down-home country. He's a traditional cook, and he comes from the incredible restaurants and a, a tenure of great experience. But it's the style of his food. It's the casual approach and the really intense, beautiful richness of flavors that draw us to stand in the kitchen and dine on the delectable bites of Chef Michael Rossi. He joins us live this morning so that he can dish on his best dishes and to give us a chef's perspective so we can better get to know him and his style. And we're glad to have you, Michael. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, so as I mentioned, standing in your kitchen is really the best spot. Lana and I were very spoiled at the opening of the ranch. <laughs> we got right. to stand right near the expediting line, and everything that came off the line for tables in this 20,000-square-foot space had a small little plate that went over to the Lana Jamie area. <laughs> that was pretty fabulous. By the way, now we know there's no better table in the house. Right, right, right <laughs> in the kitchen. Right in the kitchen. The best place to be. Uh, tell us, how has business been, and are you being ex- certainly as well-received as we anticipated? Yeah, we, we are extremely happy with the opening. Uh, we are busy every night, mm. and uh, it's going great. It, it seems like the, uh, the city is receiving us well. Well, the ranch is, is all the buzz, and I would love for you to describe your cooking style and give us an idea of what you think your dishes reflect. Well, you know, I, I think our cooking style is just true regional American, just pure country cooking. We like to cook with the seasons and, and what's available in the markets right now. And uh, it, it really inspires us to, you know, just cook really delicious food. What were your favorite foods growing up, Chef? How was your culinary style formed? Because we know you have a long line of family members that love to cook. In fact, there's a website in your family dedicated to your traditions. Right. You know, it it is. I'm the oldest grandson of almost 40 grandchildren, (gasps) uh, just on one side. That that includes great-grandchildren as well, so the number's inflated just a little bit. But my grandmother's still cooking today at 85 for big family dinners. And, you know, growing up, I was just standing on Grandma's chair, you know, watching her stir the sauce and wash the dishes and then just fell in love with cooking. I think it's just a really great way to 
hang with family and friends. It just inspired me a lot as I grew up. Now, your grandmother taught you to make this rabbit ragu that is the best seller over the sweet potato gnocchi on your menu, or that's your own creation? Yeah, she inspired me. You know, I, I, I went to culinary school in San Francisco and then went off to another chef school in Italy, in, in Asti, mm. Piemonte, mm. and uh, got the great fortune to work with a chef uh, named Bar- Bruno Barbieri, uh, which is a very well-known chef in Italy now. And I was working with him as he was kind of climbing the ranks and very, very well-known. He, he had this incredible gnocchi dish, and I, I kind of just created it in my own way. And uh, it, it's been something I've been making for the last 15 years. So mm. it's, uh, it's... I, I, I just think it's just like it's got great texture. Yes. Mm. It's not what, what most people think of gnocchi as a, as a really tough potato dumpling. This one is very light and airy. And, and we got a really great one that right now with sweet potatoes mm. and Petaluma rabbit and San Marzano tomatoes. It's, it's delicious. Mm, it's like little pillows. Yeah, little pillows. Air there we in go. Your mouth. I was going to call it's... them little clouds. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, they're pillowy clouds. <laughs> and they really do have a beautiful texture to them, almost a silkiness, Chef. Right. And then the light, beautiful texture of these gnocchi are so gorgeously complemented by the richness of a rabbit ragu. And seeing that we are still in the heart of winter, and we've had some cooler days here in Southern California lately, talk us through a ragu, and specifically with rabbit, because I think it's one of the game meats that doesn't get enough attention. Well, you know, I think rabbit is is one of those things where people, they look at it like, well, I've never had rabbit before, but I'll try it. And and then they try and they go, wow, why haven't I never had rabbit before? (laughs) It's very easy to do. You can roast rabbit. You can do a number of things, grill rabbit. But I like to braise it out. What we're doing now is we're braising it in a a, a really beautiful San Marzano tomato sauce. And uh, we're putting mushrooms in it to give it that nice wintry richness and kind of woodsy type flavors. Uh, I think it's real easy. I mean, we only sear it. Know, add all the, the, the components to it and, and the braising liquids, and then we just cook it for about an hour. And the rabbit's on the bone, Chef? It is on the bone, but then we remove the meat. Uh, I think it's the best way to do it uh, because it, it, when you cook it and you don't overcook it, the, the meat is very, very juicy and just got tremendous flavor. One of the beauties about cooking rabbit, in my opinion as well, is that it does tend to be a rather quick cook. The animal is small, the pieces are fabricated small like a chicken would be, and you can get intense, fabulous flavor and really nice texture, almost the texture of like a pulled pork. You get a a softness to it when it's braised in liquid, and I love the idea that you're braising in the San Marzano tomatoes because you really get an infusion of that rich tomato flavor. Yeah, and you get you get that you get the acidity too. I yes. think that's a very important thing. And something like this is rich. You need something to counterbalance. Mm. And I, and I think that that tomatoes definitely do a, a great part with that. Your ragu has an umami quality that right. I really like, and it offsets the sweetness of the potato gnocchi. If we were to make it at home, what could we substitute for rabbit in a similar braise? Not chicken, for sure. Okay. So cut up pieces of chicken, yeah, San Marzano tomatoes. Or, yeah, there's a lot of great things. And and there's wonderful ways to braise. You can braise in a big um, ceramic pot. You can braise in your slow cooker all day long. You can braise in the oven covered with a, a lid or aluminum foil. I think it's one of the more popular winter methods for chefs that is not experimented enough uh, with at home. 
Right, I agree. Yeah, I, I happen to love to braise. That inspires me. I think dinner tonight is going to be something braised. Let's stay on the menu, Chef, because there are a lot of dishes that are all the buzz here. And by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. He is Chef Michael Rossi, and he is at the helm, executive chef of the new restaurant that is quickly gaining its expected impressive name in Orange County. It's called The Ranch. It's not only a gorgeous dining room decorated in dark woods and brown leathers, but a saloon with live music and country dancing and we're getting a chef's perspective on, on how chef Michael Rossi thinks about how a dish best comes together in his kitchen you start a meal at the ranch with popovers and I believe you're bringing them back because you know that's all that Lana talks about right you know <laughs> popovers popovers well popovers are, are something that obviously somebody like a Julia Child or, or, or somebody that really inspired us was cooking back in the day and you don't really see them in restaurants. I mean, it's not a very easy thing to do in, in a busy restaurant. They, they take true. time. They take a lot of precision in, in as far as the, the cooking method and everything. And, and when they come out of that oven and they're nice and steamy and warm mm. and crispy on the outside mm. uh, with butter and preserves, it's mm. they're, they're to die for. It is. That, that is one of the definitions of heaven to me. If right. we're making popovers at home, and you're right, you know, when it comes to a restaurant environment, uh, the souffle, the popover, right. definitely lesser in popularity today because they do make a challenge for the chef to put them out at the quality level that you would want to. And you've achieved that. If we're making popovers at home, though, what tips could you give us? I think just cooking, when you, when you heat up the milk, it's milk and flour and eggs, and I think it's important that you don't overwork it. You don't overdo the the mixing. It's just going to be right till it comes together. The milk has to be perfectly warm, hmm. um, not too hot, and uh, I think that the temperature of the oven has to be just spot on. And that's all about calibration. You know, the yeah. gas company loves when I say this yeah, on the radio, absolutely. Chef. But you can call the gas company for free. They will come out and calibrate your oven so that the temperature on your knob is the same temperature inside. And you can start by testing it against an oven thermometer that you've set in the oven while the oven is preheating to see if you do have an accurate oven temp. And that's very important when it comes to the perfect popovers of Michael Rossi. Chef, stay with us because we want to know more about you and your dishes. When we come back, the delicious conversation continues. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. You're listening to KFWB News Talk 980. Our goal is to satiate your appetite every Sunday morning beginning at 8 a.m. There's two hours of delicious conversation and fabulous food in your radio. From farm to fork, we are describing the cuisine and culinary style of Chef Michael Rossi, executive chef at the helm of The Ranch in Anaheim, the extraordinary dining room, restaurant, saloon, and live country music, dance, club, bar, and more. This place is really going to be setting records, and so you should check it out. It's really an interesting dichotomy to me, Chef. You have this saloon of very, you know, deeply rooted country style, and then you have two what step. is, yeah, two-step baby. Oh, it is rocking. I love it. And then you have on your dining room side what is a casual, rustic environment, but one that has a very fine dining appeal to your dishes, and 
all of it is very rooted in your culinary style, which you've described to us, but very focused on the seasonal marketplace. You really are about what's fresh now, right? I sure am. Absolutely. And if you can make it homemade, you say, at the restaurant? Yeah, we... Uh, then you we, do. We're, we are very fortunate. We, we have a, a tremendous owner, Andrew Edwards. Uh, he's the owner of the ranch. I've been on board with the company for almost over a year and a half now. Andrew had built a test kitchen across the street from the current ranch, and we've been testing the menu and testing all these things before we actually opened the restaurant. So we, we were had great fortune enough to, to play with a lot of dishes, to start a lot of things and create things that in a normal restaurant it might be difficult to do. We to start making things from scratch, as you, as you probably know. We make all our own bacon. We make our own pancetta. Uh, we make our own barbecue sauce. In the saloon, we, we have a Reuben sandwich, pastrami Reuben sandwich. We make our own pastrami. Wow. Uh, it, You're still smoking cool everything? What's that? You're still smoking and curing all we of your own meats. We cure and smoke. We make all our own pickles. So we have bins full of pickles and meats that are curing and, and bacon that has been seasoned and has to be over overturned and all this stuff. It's it's a it's quite a, quite a uh, process, but when you have something like a test kitchen, which in our you know great fortune we we created systems that you don't you can't really do in a normal restaurant. That's true, and I think you're holding out on me, chef. Yeah, because we stood in the kitchen and and we were definitely. I, I mean. Thank you, by the way. We were uh, overwhelmed with the treatment, but I never saw the pickle barrel. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) there's a a tour to be had then. There's a tour to be had. I love that. Uh, Let's go back to the menu. Let's talk about your seasonal inspiration, because right now we're seeing while the winter citrus is still very readily available, blood oranges. Mine come from Melissa's. I know yours do too, right? Oh, yeah. Melissa's produce is fantastic. They, They really have an exceptional variety of ordinary to exotic produce, and we were very delighted standing in your kitchen dining to know and realize that you were using so much from Melissa's. I think that says, based on your cuisine and your background and your experience, so much about Melissa's and the fact that they're your go-to for seasonal produce. Um, We're seeing lots of citrus still in the farmer's market and from Melissa's asparagus coming into play soon, lots of rustic mushrooms. So if I may go back and go down this list and tell us what you're doing with Melissa's blood oranges now and how we can recreate it at home. I think something simple, you know, I mean, we can go on and on with blood oranges. I mean, I think you can make desserts and and salads and so many great things with sauces and all that stuff. And vodka cocktails. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, baby. We can go from start to finish, that's for sure. (laughs) Okay, but tell us right now, let's say a a simple sauce using the juice of a blood orange. I'll just give you a little example of what we did last night. Okay. Uh, We did uh, Kona Kampachi, simple sashimi, that we we made preserved blood oranges, Mm. uh, which we preserved them and then used the the segments on the plate with the, I think it really created some some dynamic flavors with with the fish um you can use them in beet salads i think with with watercress and and lola rosa lettuces i think that are you preserving them with salt chef i have to ask yeah we 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 preserve them with salt and then we uh we cryovac them and let them sit in in the walk-in very cool so when all of the recipes that we make for chicken with preserved lemons could be substituted out for Absolutely. chicken with preserved blood orange. Absolutely. Ooh, That's beautiful. Isn't it? 
I love that. Yes, they'll be right over. Like winter greens and all that stuff. Oh, yummy. I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of Lana's favorite dishes on the menu, and those are your ribs. Those are some sweet and sticky spare ribs, and they are luscious. Thank you. So give us a a secret behind the sauce, let's say. Well, the sauce is uh, smoky. Mm. Uh, It's got some great, beautiful... uh, maple syrup in it. Yeah. It, it's, it's got a little bit of tomato, but it's not overly tomato. And I think it's just, it, it's not an over, overly manipulated sauce. It's not the 55 ingredient barbecue sauce. <laughs> and uh, it, it's just, you know, we, we call it sweet and sticky because that's what it is. I think, you know, when you lick your fingers after you eat the ribs yep. and, and you get that delicious flavor, I think, I think that's what everybody's looking for. I think the over, overly manipulated barbecue sauces are sometimes a little bit too hard to understand. And and I think that we're proving that with good quality ingredients and using the best maple syrup, I'm a grade B maple syrup kind of girl. Are you, chef? I've always yeah, found... Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the great chef secret. You should always look for grade B maple syrup on the label. Grade A, it's good, but it's what you most often find in a supermarket. Bristol Farms has an incredible selection of maple syrups, and you'll find grade B. That's what the maple syrup producers keep for their own kitchen and for their own pancakes so that's why i want it right it's like the hanger steak exactly the chef steak the the chef steak the butcher steak that was the one that they always took home until it got popular now you can easily buy a hanger steak with a couple of minutes left here chef uh, we want to better get to know michael rossi so answer these questions if you would for us what are your favorite culinary weapons in the kitchen the zester Ah, the microplane uh, zester? Huge, yeah, I'm yeah. a huge lemon zest guy. Okay. I think that's something that, you know, is the hidden secret in most mm. most delicious food. A little bit of acid, a little bit of oils, the yeah. aroma just to finish it's it? It's a thing that nobody really they get, but they, uh, they don't know where it comes from. Hmm. That's a good secret weapon. I love that. Is that your secret ingredient as well? Is there one ingredient that we might find finishing many of your dishes? A, yeah, I think A so. signature? Yeah, I think so. It's a it's a secret that's kind of let out now, but I think that's something that I that I think that really creates balance in food. Okay, I won't tell anybody about your thing for <laughs> lemon zest, chef. I won't. What right. qualities do you look for when you're hiring cooks for your restaurant? You have quite a team that is so dedicated to the success of the ranch that you know they'll never fail. I look for those culinary geeks. I know it sounds a little bit. <laughs> crazy but I, I think it's somebody i'm looking for somebody that really wants to cook delicious food hmm. that really wants to work in team environment and be professional i think that you know I, i've had a, a great fortune to work in some really great restaurants that and you i think have. that those standards are something that that you know you teach a young cook and you create an environment where they know that they're creating a dish that is very special and then when it goes out to the guests that it's very rewarding it's something that it keeps them really driven every day. I have some fantastic cooks, and I'm, I'm very proud of my team. And as you should be, you are making great culinary waves, and we are most proud of your accomplishments, and we congratulate you on the very early and expected success of the ranch. It is in Anaheim, and you will find a line out the door for the saloon. There is a classy country bar in Orange County now, and alongside it is a dining room 
where the food is just superb. The environment feels casual and warm, and you will truly tempt your palate with the dishes off of Chef Michael Rossi's menu at The Ranch. We know everybody's running over to the restaurant, and we can't wait to do the same to see you again. Michael, please uh, give Michael Jordan a kiss for me. Oh, I sure will. Lana and I give you big hugs, and uh, we can't wait to stand in your kitchen again soon and eat popovers hot out of the oven. Yeah, I can't wait for it either. (laughs) Thank you. We look forward to it. Chef Michael Rossi of The Ranch. The delicious conversation continues. Don't touch that dial. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. Welcome to the second hour of Delicious Conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. That's an introduction. It's Oscar Sunday. We're having an Academy Awards bash here live and in your radio, and you're invited. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, the second hour of delicious conversation here and now, and always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. You'll find Oscar-inspired menus along with Wolfgang Puck's menu of small plates and tastes for the Governor's Ball this evening on the website as well, chefjamie.com. If you'd like to become a Facebook fan or if you love to eat, then you can send a tweet you'll find me under chef jamie gwen everything you need to host the ultimate oscar party including wolfgang puck himself coming up this hour so please stay tuned hooray for hollywood it is the biggest night for celebrities and movies and lana is throwing an oscar batch to which i am most delighted to be invited and so we thought we would share with you some last minute inspiration it's not too late to either pull out all the stops and throw a a great big party or just give a taste of some of your favorite movies maybe you're biased and you're you're leaning toward one single movie, you could create an Oscar movie menu entirely around the idea or theme or the origin of that movie itself. And we have a tradition, Lana and I, here. Every year, we produce menus inspired by the Best Picture nominees. Now, this year at the Governor's Ball, you'll come to learn from Wolfgang Puck coming up at 9.30 that instead of tables with place settings or an entree, they're actually creating a new energy, very much all about our social interaction. And it's about Small plates, more than 50 dishes, one bite hors d'oeuvres are going to be tray passed throughout the evening. There are 5,000 mini chocolate Oscars waiting, 1,000 bottles of Moet and Chandon champagne, and 20,000 pieces of California-grown microgreens ready to garnish those dishes. So you could just use a few pieces of microgreens on your food, really. You don't have to make the 20,000. But here are some Oscar menu ideas. You can thank us later for what we think uh, will satisfy your craving. Now, before we get to movies, though, Lana, we're, um, you're making, I shouldn't say we, I'm going to help, but you're making Wolfgang Puck's Savory Chicken Pot Pie as your award-winning Oscar dish. And it's a um, pretty easy uh, 
recipe. It is. It really is. You start with a roux. We all know what a roux is. Yes. Flour and butter. Fat, flour I, and fat of any kind. Yes. Right? But I use butter only. Yes. And in the in the Creole Cajun style, they use oil. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you ask Emerald, he might tell you something a little different. Mm-hmm. But those two guys, Wolfgang and Emerald, they get along fine. So but we'll be okay. You want an unsalted butter. Yes, that you do. with, of course. And then we are going to wind up with a velouté sauce. Right. And a velouté, different than a bechamel, is is a roux-based sauce that's made with stock rather than milk or cream. Although Wolfgang cheats a little bit, and it's really a cross between a velouté, one of the mother's sauces, and a bechamel, because he adds creme fraiche to it, mm. which is why we really like him. And why do we add creme fraiche? Well, for flavor, first mm-hmm. and foremost, but because it is the ultimate sour cream, it doesn't break, so I it will this. never curdle. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a butternut squash soup and you want to add cream or texture to it, if you're making a soup of any kind or a stew and you're considering adding half and half or whole milk or even cream, you are guaranteed rich, luscious mouthfeel from creme fraiche over any other dairy choice. Mm-hmm. And creme fraiche is the ultimate French-style sour cream. It does not break or curdle when you bring the mixture to a boil. So Mm. it's a very good choice here. I love that I don't have to worry about it. There's one thing that makes this pot pie unique, though. And that is, if you watched Good Morning America, the what felt like five minutes that Robin Roberts shaved the biggest, most grand-looking black truffle you have seen in a long time on a truffle shaver, It's, it was like forever into the pot pie. This is a black truffle chicken pot pie. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be dining on the puff pastry encrusted, rich, simmering mixture infused and laden with black mm-hmm. truffles about 5.30 or 6 tonight. You're invited. You can mm-hmm. come over. Yeah. But let's just make it easy for everyone. But after you do the roux and you add the creme fraiche, right. then we're adding cube chicken. You could buy a fresh roasted chicken. At Bristol Farms. Or any cube market. Cube it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Put it in there with some frozen peas. Right. And even the frozen pearl onions. If you're mm-hmm. not using Melissa's pearl onions and taking the time to peel them, you can take the fake it, don't make it shortcut root mm-hmm. and use the frozen clean pearl onions. And I bought some baby carrots that I'm going to peel and cut up into pieces. Beautiful. Love that. And I love the splash of dried sherry, of dry dry sherry rather, that Wolfgang adds too when you're deglazing the pan. There's really a beautiful uh, undertone mm-hmm. of dry sherry there. And then you're going to uh, brush the puff pastry with beaten egg and you can make them all in advance keep them very cold so that the puff pastry mm-hmm. puffs beautifully it just goes on top not right. the bottom there's no bottom crust just put the whole uh chicken mixture right into it and the, the square of crust on the top oh i can't wait okay so the 2012 menu that you create for academy award night tonight can be inspired by wolfgang puck's governor's ball mm-hmm. or it could be about movie madness so here are our ideas for some very compelling eating and drinking options based on the best movie nominees. There are nine this year. And by the way, you can grab my recipes and a full photo album from KTLA Channel 5 when I was on Thursday morning uh, on chefjamie.com. And you can see pictures of the food, of our entire uh, live shots Mm -hmm. segment. You can see everything Bristol Farms has to offer as well, from floral displays to uh, little mini hot dogs. Let's say you Mm -hmm. love Moneyball, right? Right. 
sports oriented, totally stadium snacks approved. Mm-hmm. So maybe you put out some pizza stars where you buy a Bristol Farms pizza and you cut it, uh, out the stars using your star cookie cutter, caramel corn, pigs in a blanket, anything you can think of that you associate with stadium snacks. Oh, it sounds delicious. Yeah, it does. That's a good start. I'm going to add to that Midnight in Paris. Okay. I'm a great fan of that movie, and we're going to pretend we're in Paris oh, to take, start. Take me there. Yes, and I'm going to put out a, a platter of a baguette nice, and some stinky cheeses. Stinky cheeses? Yes, oh, some no. soft brie. I'm coming over and... early now. <laughs> I love stinky cheese. Uh, some soft brie. Uh, what else are you thinking? Um, maybe a gorgonzola dolce. Oh. <laughs> Okay, good. Lovely. Some good goat, cows. Yes. I'm going to add onto another platter some uh, French macaroons. I noticed at Bristol Farms the other day they are selling the various colored macaroons. And to speak of trends, as we did last hour, uh, one of the trends that I forecasted for 2012, it's not going to take over the cupcake, but if you can find French macaroons at Starbucks, trust me, they are gaining momentum. (laughs) And they are those beautiful French meringue-like top and bottom sandwich cookies that do make, I think, a very French impression. The artist, uh, class Classic 30s, Ode to Hollywood, we're thinking is a pan-seared steak with a blender Bernays. And if you've been daunted by hollandaise, I make a hollandaise in the blender with the addition of tarragon. It uh, becomes, becomes a Bernays. Bernays, right. And you can find the recipe at chefjamie.com. Some cream spinach, which here's a one ingredient wonder. Make your favorite cream spinach, buy it from the hot bar at Bristol Farms, or cheat and buy it frozen. Some, there are some very good organic cream spinach mm-hmm. in the freezer section now. And buy a four-ounce ounce uh, log of boursin cheese, the herbed cream cheese. Bring your cream spinach up to a simmer, fully cooked, and add in the boursin cheese. And you have... I may say my, if I may say myself, the ultimate cream spinach. It is so luscious. You do not have to take it out of the pan for me. Right. You could just, just give Lana a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and a spoon and I am happy. It is truly delicious. And that's really mm-hmm. a wonderful way to cheat and add fabulous flavor. Mm-hmm. You can use double stuffed baked potatoes alongside your steak and your boursin cream spinach, mm-hmm. uh, raspberries with a simple creme anglaise, and gilded, everything gold mm-hmm. everywhere. If you have gold dust, edible gold dust, edible gold stars, if you have a can of edible gold paint spray paint from um, our friend Nancy oh, Seiler well, from Wilton. Mm-hmm. It's edible. Just create everything you can that mm-hmm. is stars, celebrity uh, focused. How about the descendants to buy crab cakes? Perfect. Everything Hawaiian. Very Hawaiian. You make a Hawaiian luau cocktail. We'll send you a recipe mm-hmm. if you write to live at chefjamie.com. Blue drinks are required. Yeah, blue drinks are required. And then uh, last but not least, you might consider everything in the shape of a star. So you might make a shortcake for dessert, a walk of fame chocolate star shortcake. You might, along with the help, consider a chocolate cream pie, which a friend of yours is making and bringing <gasps> to your right. party. We love. Dimitri's recipe. Yes, the original. And then um, what about a pie milkshake? This was the hit of my Channel 5 segment on Thursday. You can put any leftover cake in the blender, mix it with milk and ice cream, and it is 
devilishly delicious. Apple pie, peach pie, cherry pie, chocolate cake milkshakes, pecan pie, pumpkin pie milkshakes. It started uh, for me this past Thanksgiving, my first pie milkshake, the one that was pumpkin pie. Today it's apple pie from Bristol Farms, a slice of it mixed with vanilla ice cream, a splash of bourbon and milk blended together, tall glass, long straw, that is a oh, dessert that it honors is oh Mississippi and the South. There is nothing better. You have to try it. We'll send you specific proportions and the recipe if you'd like to email live, L-I-V-E at chefjamie.com. The Oscar-worthy dishes continue, so stay tuned. When we come back, my exclusive interview with Tony Gemiani of Tony's Pizza Napolitano, the San Francisco favorite. There's more fabulous food in your radio. Don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio along with Lana. This is quite a coup to get Tony for 10 minutes to share with you his incredible pizza success. It is a divine destination for pizza lovers. He has a rating of OMG. That's right. It's above the five star. It's above the Michelin rating. This chef makes stellar Pizza. He is Tony Gemignani. He's a nine-time world pizza champion. He's won the World Pizza Award in Naples, Italy. And you are about to experience a true slice of heaven. His restaurant is a temple to pizza making, and fans will tell you it was worth the sometimes two-hour wait. We are delighted to have you, Tony. I wish through the phone you could send me a pie. I know. I wish I could. How are you doing? (laughs) Doing great. Delighted to have you. Congratulations on all this incredible pizza success. Tell a little bit about your backstory, please, because you were the first American to win this coveted award in Naples, right? Yeah, I was the first American to win back in 07. I actually just won uh, recently, just last year. I, I have my 10th world title now. And I won in the Roman division. So when I um, won that competition, it was a pretty big deal. So, yeah, not nine-time anymore. I'm a ten-time world champion. Oh, well, forgive you me. Know, I stand corrected. A ten-time. Yeah, ten you got to get this straight. What's going That's on That's right. I know. I know. <laughs> so, you know, when I competed, I was the only non-certified uh, competitor or one of the only non-certified competitors. And I, at the time, I was in Castro Valley. That's where my first restaurant was that I opened uh, with my brother Frank about 21 years ago. And when I went to Naples, uh, you know, nobody outside of Naples really won uh, the World Pizza Cup. And if you were to win, you know, you were a Neapolitan, you weren't a Roman, you weren't from Sicily, you weren't from Milano or anything. So to be able to win this in Naples where everything started in the pizza industry is it it a pretty big honor, you know, especially being from California, <laughs> let alone, um, you know, I have Italian roots coming from Lucca. Uh, you know, we're, we're Lucchese, but um, to win in Naples like that was just, just just the biggest thing. Talk about, if you would, please, because at Tony's Na- uh, Pizza Napolitana, you have seven different style ovens. And what people dish about is that it is worth traveling from far and wide to experience the flavor of your pizzas that come out of the coal-burning oven. Yeah, people come from all over the world now, and especially operators come. It's it's nice to see chefs come in, and they're looking at different mm-hmm. styles to implement in their own restaurant. So it's not only just, uh, you know, just the consumer. There's, there's a lot of industry people here almost every day of the week. You know, we have seven different ovens with uh, got almost ten different styles of pizzas. So depending on the style of pizza you like, it's the correct oven, the correct flour, even the correct tomato 
in ingredients that would go onto the pizza and into the oven. You know, it's, it's for me as an operator traveling uh, for several years, uh, you know, in the circuit and throwing pizzas when I won back in acrobatic throwing and stuff like that and being able to work in kitchens in New York and Chicago and Detroit, I mean, even Fargo or even like parts of Alaska, <laughs> I was able to get, you know, behind the counter, work the line and be able to work with some great operators. It's nice to be able to implement this all in one one house, you know, it's just somewhat of an institution of pizza, and I really thought that Little Italy in San Francisco was the place to do it. Well, I, I think you chose the perfect place, and North Beach is all a buzz, but it's worldwide conversation now. So you're using specific flours dependent upon the style of pizza that you're making, whether it's the classic Italian in your domed brick oven, the yeah, New York the Tony, flat top brick oven. We have nine different oven. flours that right? we bring, and we have nine four different. different types of starters. A, a Polish, a Biga, and even a natural starter that we use in, in all of our doughs. So some are a little stronger, more influence, and some mm-hmm. are slightly weaker. You know, it, it's not all about the dough and over-complex breads. It's about the balance. And I think when you eat at Tony's, you'll really taste the cheese, the sauce, the dough, and the ingredients all in one. Incredible. I think that's what's important. Inc- absolutely incredible. You make a signature Neapolitan-style margarita pie right and Mm -hmm. you cook it in your uh, what is almost a thousand degree wood burning oven yes that was made in naples you have one of only two in the country um there's more now after we opened the name got out uh the (laughs) chiliano oven good news salerno region and god we were one of the first ones to have this oven i see it all over the place now Uh, similar actually to some ingredients like the flour that we use on this particular margarita san felice flour It, it was Kind of like what I always rec- talk about is Coke and Pepsi. Right. Really, Caputo is really dominates the U.S. market when it comes to Neapolitan flour. And when I was competing with San Felice in Naples, in the U.S., it was really, really hard to get at the time mm-hmm. when I won. Now, I think you can almost get it in every state. So uh, that flour has actually gotten to be really popular. <clears throat> the margarita is, you know, pretty special because we limit that to 73 a day. It's a shrine to pizza making, and I feel like I should bow to you with just a couple of minutes left here because we know you've got to get back to the ovens. Uh, If you would, give us a couple of pizza-making tips if we want to perfect our pizza at home. Is Caputo the flour of choice, and how can we get our ovens to the ultimate temperature? Well, perfecting our pizza at home, a lot of it are browning agents in our dough. When you're thinking of a standard oven that's 500 degrees, maybe 520, if you're able to put on convection bake other than bake, I would recommend it. In your actual dough recipe, you really need a fat and some sort of browning agent like a sugar or a malt or a honey and definitely an oil. So those types of ingredients are really important when it comes to 500-degree baking. You know, when it comes to 900, you don't need browning agents. It's, It's actually the opposite. But when it comes to your home oven, you're trying to get it as hot as you can so your cheese doesn't burn before your dough is ready. It's all about the balance. A couple things are creating a barrier so you have one pizza stone in your oven. I would actually get two pizza stones in your oven. Okay. So you're kind of trapping that heat. You're having that radiant heat that bounces from stone to stone. So I would start it off on on the top of my stone in in my oven and go ahead and, and cook my pizza about 70%. And then I would go ahead and throw that pizza onto my second stone where it's a hotter element, which hasn't been exposed to dough. On a separate rack. And you're bringing rack. it right back onto a surface that is 500 or 520 degrees. 
So you're kind of doing two and one. You have two stones. You could really char the bottom. Keep on rotating it in your in your oven. That's very important. And what when it comes to ingredients, tip. you know, cheeses are very important. A whole milk mozzarella, not part skim, that will give you some extra time without it burning. You don't want any cellulose or anti-caking agents in your in your cheese. You want to. If I'm eating cheese, I want 100% cheese. I mean, that's just you know that's what I want. I don't want one percent. Uh, something else that's, that's they say it's for anti-caking agents, but it's just a performance enhancer. And a finishing ingredient. A lot of people think that you have to load it up when you're cooking a pizza. No, you load it up with cheese, and then you take it out. You cook that pizza nice. You put nice slices of thinly sliced prosciutto, fresh arugula, and Parmigiano-Reggiano with cherry tomatoes and oil. Really, your finishing side is, is big, or if not bigger, than the, the ingredients that are cooking. So you don't have to always cook all the ingredients at once. You know, you can saute ingredients and pour a mom over a top to make your pizza that much stronger. And a lot of people at home have a weak, weak pizza with a droopy center. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, just put the finishing ingredients on and let that pizza cook longer. Thank you for sharing such incredible talent. We truly appreciate it. Uh, and I do bow to you because I can't wait to come in and have this version. I know you have four different combos of your pizza, prosciutto, arugula, and parmesan, meatballs, garlic, and white cream sauce with a sweet ending of fig, gorgonzola, and balsamic. Oh, yeah, that's our Romana pizza. That's the one I just won with, uh, similar to the one I just won with in in uh, one of the oldest competitions, Rome, uh, the Roman division. And it's about a, it's almost a three-foot-long pizza, paper-thin, uh, cooked in our electric brick oven from northern Italy. And it's it's the elements on top, bottom, back, and it's bricks. And you have all this, this heat that's making this crispy uh, pizza. And you have your first, you have your main, and then you have your sweeter side, which is your dessert-style pizza at the end. It's, it's an awesome pizza. You'll love oh, it. Bring it on. Save one for me, would you please? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you, Tony. We want... Uh, all food lovers and pizza lovers, more importantly, to know that Tony is now teaching as the master instructor. You can study with the champion. His International School of Pizza in San Francisco offers home chefs and professionals an opportunity to try to learn his trade as incredibly as he's mastered it. It's called Tony's Pizza Napolitano. It's on Stockton Street at Union in San Francisco. The website, Tony's Pizza Napolitana. Dot com. He has been called the most unique and comprehensive pizzeria in the nation, and many have gone so far to say as it is the absolute best pizza in the world. It's quite an honor, Tony. Thank and you very much. We I, love I really appreciate you. it. I, I just love what I do. It's really a pleasure. Do. Well, it comes through. It is USA's best pizzeria, Tony's Napolitano. We can't wait to see you soon, Chef. Again, thanks again for the time. All right. Thank you. Talk to Bye. you soon. I'm sure that conversation made you hungry. It sure did make me hungry. There's more to satiate your appetite right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana, KFWB News Talk 980. One of America's most celebrated chefs is here. Roll out the red carpet. It's Oscar night. Wolfgang Puck is joining us live. He is a true restaurant mogul. Today there are Spagos in four different cities, four cities that house a cut, and the new Wolfgang Puck at Hotel Bel Air. You can still find him often in his kitchen whites at Spago Beverly Hills, treating every guest like a celebrity. 
But tonight, he's feeding about 1,500 of the world's biggest celebrities his award-worthy cuisine at the Governor's Ball immediately following the Academy Awards. It's Oscar night, and Wolfgang is here. Good morning, Chef. We're very glad to have you on the radio Good once morning. again. Good to talk to you. No, I don't have a lot of time because I have to go <laughs> back in the kitchen. Yes, we know that you're very Unless busy. Unless you're going to come and help me finish the dishes. I-, I wish I could. I would love to. So thank you for the open invitation. Maybe I should leave just after the show and come over. Absolutely. Okay. In, in the beginning. In, in the beginning, yes. So it's been many months of planning and days of prep. So tell us a little bit about your menu and give us a sneak peek well, into the plan for tonight. Well, this year, you know, we started end of January. We decided we, what we're going to cook with Matt and Jerry. And this year we decided to have a party instead of a formal sit-down dinner. So every the whole dining room have, has a loungy feeling, so you can sit on low chairs and couches and lower tables. And the menu is going to be appropriate for that. So we're going to have all small plates, like a whole tapas menu. So when people come out of the Kodak Theater, then we have all our little appetizers, like the Kobe burger, like our smoked salmon oscars and potstickers mm-hmm. and spring rolls. Oh, a, a great sushi buffet with five sushi chefs making sushi behind the seafood buffet. So Fabulous. people have little bites like that. And then... Once they go into the ball lounge, into the lounge, really, we're going to serve them all small plates like uh, potatoes, uh, big, but the small baked potato with caviar, tortellini with goat cheese, risotto with uh, black truffles. We're going to have a chicken pot pie, mm. mini chicken pot pie, so one for per person. And then we're going to have the chinois uh, lamb chop with mint cilantro vinaigrette oh, and good. also the Shanghai lobster risotto from chinois. Mm. We're going to have braised short ribs with a polenta and parmesan and black olives, mm. grilled snake river, uh, snake river farm steak. So it's going to be a lot of a plus fish, like a, a, a black bass in puff pastry with a tomato basil vinaigrette. So it's going to be a lot of food and exciting food. Plus, Sherry is making all this wonderful dessert. Yes, we know. And, Chef, we thank you because you shared the menu with us in advance. And I've posted it on the website so that the the best cooks who listen to this program can make or duplicate or attempt to at least your menu at home. So give us a couple of tips, if you would, to your what I call totally famous spicy tuna tartare in the sesame miso cones. What should we know when we attempt no, it tonight? I, I tell you, you shouldn't do that at home because you cannot get the tuna what we get really fresh. You ah. know, I don't, I just got the tuna delivered this morning from mm. IMP downtown, you know, oh. so they don't sell to you. If you go to any of these seafood stores, generally it's not so fresh. So I wouldn't even try that. I would make the Kobe burgers, you know, that's really easy to have good ground beef and make mini burgers. You can cut out, instead of making the big buns, you can cut out of your favorite bread, like uh, about uh, the size of a quarter, little rounds, and then toast them, put a little bit of Thousand Island dressing, cook your mm. little mini burgers in a pan or in a, on a grill, and then serve it that way. But for main course, I, we make it, and people love it, we make the chicken pot pie. So that's really easy to do at home. You know, you can roast the chicken or boil it and then thicken the sauce with a little cream and a little flour and let it boil, put peas and carrots and mushrooms mm-hmm. and so in, and then cover it with the pie dough and bake it in the oven when you need it. So you can prepare that 
a day ahead, which I like, because you don't want to do everything the last day. You decorate your room a little bit, and then mm. you have to put that just in the oven. And you can buy some other stuff, like, for example, you can go to a good store, like my friend Norbert has a cheese store in Beverly Hills, and yes. you get some good prosciutto, some good Spanish ham, get some breadstick, wrap the prosciutto slices around the breadstick, and drizzle a little olive oil on top, get some crudités. You can go to the farmer's market. So it's really easy at home. Don't make it too complicated because what you don't want to do when the academy starts, that you are in the kitchen slaving and you cannot enjoy it. I, I agree entirely, Wolfgang. And I've always said you plan a menu so that you can enjoy the party yourself as yeah. well. One of the things I've always admired about your philosophy from when I was 16 years old and worked at Eureka or apprenticed yeah. at least, Wolf, um, is the fact that if a high quality fresh ingredient is not available to you on a given day, you have always said that it is better to change the item to a different dish entirely. Yeah. And you've really tried to teach home cooks that. That is all about your local, sustainable, exactly. you know, fresh when you approach. Got, like, I went to the farmer's market down in Santa Monica. When you see how many thousands of people go now just to this market all the time, it is amazing. So people take cooking more seriously and are more interested these days what they put in their body. So they don't get all this processed food anymore. You get really fresh, organic, wholesome food. Let's talk seasonally, Wolfgang, because, uh -huh. by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. The great Wolfgang Puck is here. You have said before that artichokes are the perfect vegetable, chef. Do you still believe so, and why? Well, I pick just because I love them. I love to make an artichoke <laughs> soup. I like to make an artichoke salad. I like to make artichokes a la grec, and I think you can... They are so versatile. And mm -hmm. one of my favorites, when I worked at Beaumania in South of France, we made artichoke mousseline, like a puree of artichokes. And we served it with a leg of lamb. And I oh. still think one of my favorite things. Can you talk us through the mousseline? Are you using the the big, large-size artichoke Yeah, parts? you use the large globe artichokes. It's easy. Or any kind of large artichokes. You remove the leaves and uh, just cook the bottoms of the artichokes, you know, in uh, water with salt and lemon juice. When right. they are nice and tender, remove the jokes in the middle. And then puree the artichoke bottoms in a food processor or blender until really smooth. You can add a little creme fraiche to it or a little butter to it or a little olive oil to it so to smoothen it out and then strain it through a fine sieve. That's really the best way because sometimes they have fibers in there. Yes. So uh, that makes it really easy and you will have the most delicious puree. Beautiful mousseline and what a gorgeous compliment with its green flavor to the leg of lamb which has a very meaty, gamey, uh, yeah. maybe with the accent of uh, rosemary, herbaceousness to it. Uh, what and, a beautiful you know, compliment. My friend uh, Guy Savoy, he makes a fantastic artichoke soup with black truffles. That's oh. one of his specialties. Like we make the smoked salmon pizza. Yes. His big thing is the artichoke soup with black truffles. Chef, of all the places that you travel to... Where is your favorite place to eat around the world? We know that your influence from Greece, the Mediterranean, even Spain with the small plates for the Academy Awards tonight are all very popular with your California-inspired cuisine. But where is your most favorite place to eat of late? Well, I think I love to travel, you know, and there are so many interesting places uh, to go to. Like I go to southern Italy. I love it there. I was in uh, London outside in Bray at the Fat Duck, and I had a fantastic dinner there. So there are mm -hmm. so many great places all over the all over the country. And in That's America, true. we just went 
to see Grand Ajat's new place next in uh, Chicago, and it was wonderful. So there are so many great places. Yet the funny thing is when I'm at home, I find myself often to go to the places which I think are reliable, where they know, where I know they take care of my children, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, like uh, Angelini or Matsuhisa. So I go there more than anywhere else. It's good to have community and uh, exactly. and chefs and friends around you for sure. Uh, Chef, what are your other favorite spring vegetables to cook with as we embark? on the coming of spring, artichokes, asparagus? Artichokes, asparagus are starting, spring bees are in season, the little carrots are in season. So it's really a great time to end all the oranges, citrus fruits are really wonderful now. So I think it's a good time. I like it when uh, you have all these different kind of vegetables on your dish, like at the Belair Hotel now. Uh, I was just going to say, Chef, what talk about some of the best meals around the world. The new Wolfgang Puck at the Bel Air has been ranked in the top 10 best meals around the world, and we can't wait to experience it. Oh, uh, it is really fantastic. And when you go there, you will see you eat the fish dish, you think you dreamt of springtime. And, you know, it has all these beautiful colored vegetables with it. Mm. Nothing is gray, nothing is brown. It's Mm. pale green, light green with some orange, maybe some red in it. And it's really delicious. Maybe some confit of lemons. So it's really, really delicious. But also it fits right into the spring. Tell us more about Wolfgang Puck at the Hotel Bel Air and really what your goal was in recreating the well, culinary scene. Yeah, you know, the Bel Air is such an iconic hotel oh, here beautiful. in uh, Los Angeles or in America, really. And so we want to be really represent the best of California, but also some international things. You know, like the Bel Air was very famous in the old time for their Dover Soul, and now we created a new version of it, and it's really great. We, we made some of the older things, but they always had like the tortilla soup. We kept it at the bar menu. You have a great burger or cupcakes at the bar, a little pepper steak with french fries. So if you live in a neighborhood, you want to have a great simple meal, you can go to the bar, have a glass of wine. Or if you want to have a nice meal, go and sit in the beautiful garden and uh, enjoy our really more upscale dishes. Like I just went to the market on Wednesday and we started like a green uh, garlic soup, a creamy green garlic soup, so Ooh. with some fresh spring vegetables in it, some spring flowers in it, so it looks beautiful and it tastes even better. There's more with Wolfgang Puck right after this. Don't go away. As the delicious conversation continues, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio, it's Oscar night and we rolled out the red carpet for Wolfgang Puck. I love that you've kept some of the iconic classics from the Hotel Bel Air on the menu, but you've added your own spin. Exactly. Like the hamburgers or tortilla soup and things like that. But for me, the Bel Air is like a second homecoming because Mm. I did consulting there in the late 80s already. So... I remember we have come such a far away. You know, when I did the dinner there, when Carolyn Hunt bought it, so we did a dinner for uh, the homeowners there, and I went to the Chino farm and got vegetables and everything, and I got a bad, nasty letter from them. I said, what a pity. All of a sudden, in this wonderful hotel, they serve vegetables with food coloring in it. They look psychedelic. And I didn't even know what they meant. How many years ago was that, Chef? They, because they, that's how long your friendship is with Chino. 86? Yeah, yeah, but the Chinos I know since 82. And, <laughs> and so, they're using fake color in Wolfgang I Puck's know. vegetables. So, 
I went and uh, went to see them over there. I said, I don't even know what they meant. Right. By that. I said, what, what are they talking about? Somebody smoked something or what? <laughs> and so then I found out at the hotel, they used all canned peas and canned green beans and canned asparagus and everything. I said, God, we are in California and you use canned vegetables. That's a crime. You should be put in jail or shot. One or the other. <laughs> You've always driven the fresh movement, chef. And Spago is all about that. Uh, there is nowhere else that Lana and I would rather sit for lunch than on the patio at Spago soaking it in. So tell yeah. us what's new at the restaurant. When's the next menu releasing? Well, you know, we don't change the whole menu. We change this. As Certain a things. Ted, so our chef is really, really talented there. He does so many great things. Like right now, he has an inspiration. We made these little yakitori girls, you know, what they bring you to the table. So he uses that now for our customers because when we did a dinner in Naples, Florida, we made a Japanese Thai soup like with lobster and, and bay scallops and served it over these hot coals and... We put some spices in, some herbs in, so you got this smell. And people like freaked out and said, wow, not only is the soup so delicious, but you get the smell of the, all the spices like mm. lemongrass and uh, a little dried ginger and so on. Beautiful. So it really, it affects all of your senses yeah. at the table so, and on your palate. Yeah. So what we do really is we progress. There's an evolution. And I think this summer we're going to remodel the restaurant to make it more, you yes, know, a little bit more modern. We had heard. To go with the food. Yeah. How exciting. Speaking of evolution, Wolfgang, we know we just have a couple of minutes left with you. It's Oscars night. It is the biggest night for movies and Wolfgang Puck is generous to give of his time as he plans for the Academy Awards Governor's Ball. There is no bigger chef after so many years of great success that could have been asked to once again feed the dozens and hundreds of celebrities who expect the finest of cuisine. Speaking of elevation, chef, you are the father of California pizza and you elevate it every time you put another pizza out in the restaurant to a higher level. What is your current favorite pizza topping? What should we be putting on our crusts? You know, at the first, we are working on a brand new dough. I never thought I could actually change and make the dough really? better or whatever. But now we are making a real sourdough dough because part of the dough is really a week old already. You know, we let it ferment. We do all the things and then make a new dough and put two doughs together. And I didn't think after 30 years I could make a better pizza dough. So that's one of the things. But I think we are actually putting less cheese on it and more ingredients, more vegetables. I want the people really to try more, you know, than just the cheese. So that's one of our biggest new things now. Can we come to the restaurant and taste the new dough yet, Chef? Oh, you can come anytime. No, Not at the restaurant. You. I don't have it yet. We are doing it right here at Hollywood and Highland yes. at our kitchen here. So it will be at the restaurant soon. You heard it here first. Start looking for the better-than-ever pizza crust from Wolfgang Puck. Wolf, we believe that the Oscar goes to you tonight for another stellar meal, and oh. we're very grateful that you shared the 84th Annual Academy Awards Governor's Ball menu with us. It's posted at chefjamie.com. There's a link to wolfgangpuck.com as well where you can find out where you can dine at any of the restaurants in Wolfgang's Empire. And, of course, uh, we'll hope to see you at Spago soon, Chef. It's always a pleasure. And okay. thank you, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Good to talk to you and have a great Sunday night. Yes, may the best movie win, Chef. Yep, always. <laughs> always. <laughs> okay. Thank, thank you, you again. Chef. Cheers, Bye -bye. Wolfgang. 
What a wonderful conversation. He's always a delight and certainly very busy with Matt Bensavenga and Sherry Yard by his side tonight for the Governor's Ball. If you're planning your own Oscar bash, we have a couple more great suggestions. Lana, I love the pokey idea. Mm. There's a pokey bar poke bar that I'm in love with at Bristol Farms because it's an all protein meal and you can find spicy tuna you can find just the sort of uh, sweet salty variety as well and then there's some oyster shrimp mix Mm -hmm. oftentimes you'll find a salmon poke there and for the descendants you could certainly purchase some poke at Bristol Farms Mm -hmm. slice some cucumber rounds perfect and put it out on a platter. It would look beautiful. As an appetizer or a starter. That's terrific. Then, of course, if you loved the idea of Wolfgang's uh, chinois grilled lamb chops, which he mentioned a little bit earlier, this is a recipe that Lana and I have been making for years. And every year it shows up on Wolfgang Puck's Governor's Ball menu. They're featured on tonight's menu. And for the meat lovers out there, this might very well be the best lamb chop you've ever had. We posted it as the recipe of the week as an homage to Wolfgang, and it is posted at chefjamie.com, C-H-E-F-J-A-M-I-E.com. Um, by the way, Scott called in along with uh, Linda, I mm-hmm. think it was, and they're looking for um, Bernays in the blender. You just need to go to chefjamie.com, please, and look up Hollandaise in the mm-hmm. top right search area. While you're there, you might as well sign up for our weekly newsletter where you'll get an update on radio show guests, bonus recipes, and more. But just search Hollandaise on the website, and you, Scott and Linda, will find the simple uh Totally easy hollandaise in the blender recipe. Add tarragon to make it a Bernays. And we also have Ellen writing in for a champagne cocktail. I, I like the way she's thinking. Now, this the is artist. a the, the, champagne. Yes, this is a great idea to create or roll out that red carpet in a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you aspire to the ultimate champagne cocktail, why not make a crimson one? Use a cranberry juice cocktail along with some fresh ginger and a cinnamon stick. If you have a piece of star anise, you could use uh, some peppercorns if you want to add a little bit of heat or spice oh, things this. up. Yes. And you make a cranberry simple syrup essentially so you boil the cranberry juice cocktail with sugar cinnamon stick star anise uh all the flavors you love even fresh ginger like i mentioned until it's reduced uh by a third let's say and then let it cool you've made a cranberry syrup that you can then top off your bubbly with so fill your champagne flutes about three quarters of the way you can always spike them with a small splash of brandy and then add in your cranberry syrup and you have the ultimate crimson champagne cocktail we want to mention to you that if you're looking to dine out this week OC restaurant week begins today the Orange County Restaurant Association's annual culinary event over 100 participating restaurants. We're getting as good as uh, the Los Angeles Restaurant Week. Mm-hmm. Orange County is fighting to be a part of the big event. Doesn't that run simultaneously? Actually, th- their dates are coming up. In fact, oh. I was just on Dine LA's okay. website. Mm-hmm. But OC Restaurant Week starts today through next Saturday. And you can find the participating restaurants at orangecountyrestaurantweek.com. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to buy your tickets for Chalk Follies, our dear friend Gloria Zigner, once again raising millions of dollars for Chalk Hospital. You can check out their website at chalkfollies.org. And the music that you're hearing is an homage to Hollywood and actually the theme music from The Artist. If you'd like to weigh in on an Oscar ballot, Lana and I are voting for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first. 
for the uh, the artist. artist. Yes, yes, we are. And may but the let best... us know what yours is. Yes, definitely. May the best movie win. Next Sunday, please join us. Hugh Atchison, great Southern chef, along with Sharon Stathers of International Oils Collection, John Cook, all about bacon, and Tana Amen, the brain doctor's wife, with tips on keeping us healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's what we're all about, making your life more delicious, one taste at a time. We thank you for listening, and we hope you'll check out chefjamie.com for more delicious inspiration. Thank you to Bristol Farms, Melissa's, Paul Martin's American Grill, and Pacific Sales for making this show happen. And thank you to you for listening. It is Oscar Sunday. Hooray for Hollywood. Let us know all about your menu. We want to know that it was a winning success. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Thanks for listening. Continue to eat well. Has been brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment.